Let me tell you about my adventure in Dinosaur National Park in Podcast 1062, the Bob Davis Podcast. Yeah, I had quite an adventure at Dinosaur. And I'm a, first I want to say that I am not one of these guys that has a bucket list of national parks that I want to attend. You know, there's a lot of people that are doing Nomad, a lot of RV life people and van-like people who are like, I, what's, what's your goal? You know, you got to have a goal. And my goal is to go to every single national park and, and from Yosemite to, you know, Smoky Mountains and yada, yada, yada. I've been to Smoky Mountains. I've been to Yosemite, been to Yellowstone. Uh, not with this vehicle, but I've been to Yellowstone, been to some of these other ones. But I don't usually go to national parks generally because you have to reserve a spot there aren't too many first serve, first come, first serve campsites in a lot of national parks. And some of them you just can't even get into. So I'm not, it, I don't have a list of national parks that I want to go to. But Dinosaur, uh, I went into on a whim. I'm going to talk about it in podcast 1062, the Bob Davis podcasts. Well, I'm going to be talking a lot about uh, the rig what the rig is designed to do, what it does, what it did here at Dinosaur National Park. And I'm very grateful to have the vehicle I have. I'm going to say a lot of stuff that people might say, well, you're crazy, or, you know, you don't know what you're talking about, or that you, that, that you might disagree with in terms of uh, some of these vehicles and what they do. But uh, I think it's an interesting thing to think about, especially if you like to go off-road a little bit and you don't have necessarily an off-road vehicle. And I'll talk about that. But the other thing that I bring this up for is, so a lot of this effort is fuel, it's upkeep, it's maintenance, it's getting things fixed on the vehicle and so forth. And one of the things I really appreciate, obviously all my clients, but I really appreciate the donations at thebobdavispodcast.com. If you want to make a donation to support this effort, this travel and podcasting effort, you can do it. I am very happy to receive any payment that you want to make, any donation you want to make. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. It doesn't matter how much it is. Some people go to the PayPal interface, and you can set up an ongoing monthly you know, uh, donation, and I appreciate those. Mindy Collins and, uh, and Todd Myers have done that. Uh, Jeffrey Dunn also 25 bucks. He's doing a, a you know a monthly payment apparently of about 25 bucks, or maybe he just redid that. So I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, here's the one from Mindy. Uh, Mindy, you know, has been she's a radio person and then became a fitness person, and uh, she's married to a guy who's a surfer, and she's just uh, a vibrant, wonderful personality. A lot of life experience, and she has been so supportive of what I'm doing, and I really, really appreciate it. She loves the podcast, and she picks up on on things that, uh, you know, I, I I'm surprised, you know, that I know it's in there, but I'm surprised that uh, that you heard it, Mindy, and I really, really appreciate your support and and everything else that you that you've done for me. Wayne Nelson from Plymouth, Minnesota, twenty five dollars. Really appreciate that. And I'm going to mention again Dave Forbes. Uh, Dave is a pilot for Delta, and he's doing some kind of financial thing with, with a partner. And uh, Dave's been a big supporter for the Bob Davis Podcast for a long, long time. And, and again, appreciate it. Appreciate all the, uh, the help people give. The best thing you can do is subscribe to the Bob Davis Podcast on iTunes. 
Also, uh, Google Podcasts. We're on PodMN.com, which is a great platform from Hubbard Broadcasting, and a bunch of other places where you can find the podcast. Some of them I don't even know about. I just only discover them when I look at my uh, you know, analytics on Google. So thank you for listening, and thank you for supporting the Bob Davis Podcast at thebobdavispodcasts.com. As you know, I have been bombing around Colorado, which literally is amazing. Uh, it continues to blow me away. Natural beauty, beautiful mountains, great towns, from the San Juan Mountains all the way up, you know, to northern Colorado when you get into the Rockies. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've seen the plains of uh, eastern Colorado and southern and, and uh, northern Colorado's mountains. And just driving through just continues to amaze me and to cause me to uh, have real gratitude for being, being able to do this and real gratitude for just the vibe. The travel vibe in Colorado is just unbelievable. And actually, I think I was coming up. I got the map. I keep checking the map. I was coming up 139, I believe. And that kind of dead ends at Rangeley, Colorado. And somewhere in there, I ran across somebody. I'd stopped at the side of the road, and, and a woman stopped and said, at one of the directions to Dinosaur National Park. And I've got it on the map. It's right on the map. And it's not far from Rangeley. So I showed her on the map where it is. Wasn't even thinking about Dinosaur at all. It's kind of a weird name for a town, but it is called Dinosaur. And uh, the origin of Dinosaur National Park, to my understanding, is they found uh, dinosaur bones there years ago. I don't know when. I don't, I'm not into dinosaurs or that kind of stuff, so I didn't really look that up. I since learned that Dinosaur National Park is actually one of the largest physically, one of the largest national parks, ge geographically speaking. And it's, uh, it's dramatic. There's also petroglyphs there from the Fremont people, which go back a thousand years in this general region. And, of course, all over Colorado, they found dinosaur bones and um, uh, woolly mammoths as well. In fact, they found a bunch of woolly mammoth um, remains pretty well preserved in, uh, in Colorado in snowmass. So, you know, you get that sort of history all over the place. And, again, not being a person who's want, wanting to tick, you know, parks off the list, let me get away from the map and just tell the story of uh, my experience at Dinosaur National Park. I was riding along uh, outside of Rangeley, and somewhere in there, uh, I guess I came on to, yeah, I would have come on to uh, 64. So I was traveling out 64. That's what it was. And I, I at 64 dead ends in the town of Dinosaur and the... National Monument is roughly out there. So somehow I ended up passing the, you know, the ranger station or the, the National Park uh, headquarters there for Dinosaur National Park. And I pulled in. It was like 5, 6 o'clock at night. And there were a bunch of um, fire department, uh, you know, because the guys, that, the guys that fight forest fires. I don't know. It's not Cal Fire, but... It's the Colorado version of CAL FIRE or the U.S. Uh, Park Service, whatever agency. There were about seven or eight trucks there and a bunch of um, fire guys that were just taking a break and uh, drinking coffee and whatever. And I stopped and thought, well, I'll just go in and, and uh, go to the bathroom. That's what I wanted to do. And 
I went in and uh, the actual park office was closed because it was too late in the day. So I looked at the map and I looked at it and I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to go up this road. So there's a, you know, it's the U.S. Park Service road that extends probably 15, 16, 17, 18, maybe 20 miles up into uh, Dinosaur National Monument, which is uh, in, in this area of Colorado, right on the Utah border. In fact, you go into Utah. For, this thing goes on and on and on and on, and it goes into Utah. Then it comes swings. And so when you get to the, to the apex of this road, and again, when I'm describing these physical highways and stuff, you just, you just have to imagine a beautiful uh, southwestern uh, landscape with uh, the typical National Park Service road, which is excellent, blacktop and, uh, uh, you know, the, the yellow uh, strip running down and even little curbs for 30 miles back into this wilderness that is stunning just beautiful buttes and overlooks and uh, hills and uh, the colors and it was sunset again or getting close it was about 6 30 so i finally get up and the i saw that there was a campground up there called echo park and i thought well that's where i'm gonna go i'm gonna go there it's it's late enough in the day that i'm gonna go to echo park so again, you have to drive pretty far down this road, and that's where the Park Service Road pretty much ends, at this little area that's an overlook. And as you look down into this green and red clay dirt, uh, you know, western Colorado, rocky mountain landscape, there's a, a little placard there that says, that winding road that you see de- below you takes you to Echo Park which is a campground uh, some 12 or 13 miles down this dirt road. The, and uh, and uh, Echo Park is, uh, is down there. Echo Park, I-, I was told, is a spectacular campground. And it was the only campground that was available. Or I could have parked up on BLM land, which was uh, 15, 20 miles down the road, and it didn't look real great. It... it uh, it was not clearly marked, and I don't know if it was BLM or not. So I thought, well, I'm not going to go there. The placard says, not recommended for passenger cars or any RVs longer than 40 feet. And these roads are impassable if it rains. And there's a picture of an SUV that had gotten stuck in the deep, you know, that dun-colored brown clay and was stuck up to the gills. Now, I've had plenty of experience with being stuck up to the gills. I realized where I was, and I knew that this wasn't a situation where I was like an imperial dam in in California where Yuma's on one side and uh, there's another uh, big California town on the other. So I am 60, 70 miles back in the wilderness, and if I get stuck... You know, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna break the bank. So, what do I do? Do I turn around and say, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try this? No, 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 no. I decide. Well, I'm gonna give it a shot. It can't be that bad. I looked at the road and I thought, well, it looks pretty good. <laughs> so I head down. This is about it. I would say, 
maybe an 8% grade down. So we're talking pretty steep, maybe even more. Now on the highways, you usually don't see anything more than 7% out west, 8%. This was pretty steep and kind of jouncy. So it's down the thing, looking out for rocks, don't want to pop the front tires. And I thought, well, this isn't that bad. I'm kind of, I, I, and it's come around a curve, going forward, looking down, like looking like you're landing a plane, like you're heading, you're on, you've made your base turn, and now you're coming down to the runway, and then it's nose down, and the runway is down there. You're not going to pull up until right before you, you know, get ready to land, because you're you're going to lose altitude as fast as you can to get down, right? And I'm like, oh man, I don't know about this. So I get down, and. I'm not out of the woods yet, but I, it's pretty bad. The road is pretty bad. And I see another car coming, and there's a lot of red dust flying around and that brown dust. And the car pulls up, and I think the guy's name was Todd. I go, well, does it, is it, does it get better or worse down there? And he goes, oh, it, uh, it, get wor- it gets worse. Now, that was not true, but I think he was just messing with my head. And uh, I said, well, can I make it? He goes, oh, yeah, you'll make it. You'll, you'll be fine. He goes, I was just down there. I go, Any campsites available? Yeah, there's uh, about half of the campsites are occupied. And it is gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's worth the risk. So that's all you have to say to me. It's worth the risk. And I'm like, I'm in. Let's go. So off I go down this road. And at first it was really bad. And, and more than once I said, what have I gotten myself into? And then I realized, well, you know, if I go back, if I turn around and go back, I don't know if I can get back up that hill because it had all these switchbacks. So you're going up and you're turning and you're going up. So, you, you know, it would be it would be difficult for this vehicle to get up that that uh, that hill back up to the uh, dinosaur National Park Road. So uh, I just kept going. And the road got better. The thing that I'm most worried about when I run uh, on these kinds of back roads for any length of time is I'm worried about two things. I'm worried about overheating. I'm worried about uh, sand because I've gotten stuck in the sand and I don't want to get stuck in the sand again. And heavy trucks, this truck weighs 10,000 pounds supposedly. It had a full full tank of fuel, so probably weighed a lot more than 10,000 plus everything else in it and me. And I worry that uh, I'm going to get stuck, uh, you know, in the sand. So I keep going. And it goes, you know, 13, 14, 15 miles back through this beautiful landscape and i start to see these uh, i'm in a deep canyon stone canyon uh, on either side kind of like a miniature grand canyon just coming down this road which doesn't help my sense of safety in terms of what happens if what happens if i get stuck back here what happens if i pop a front tire so i get to uh, echo park campground and it's gorgeous i mean stunning and it is it is absolutely dead quiet one of these places that, um, you know, you hear about, you read about, you if you have the luck to spend time there, it's uh, it's really peerless. Beautiful place. There are petroglyphs right down the road that I mentioned, the Fremont people at the beginning, uh, that go back a thousand years. And the petroglyphs are basically um, artwork that they put on the side of these rocks, mountains, whatever they're called, these rock escarpments. 
that basically said Joe lives here. That's what I think. Or, you know, our leaders are Susie and Ralph Johnson, and here's their picture, you know. And uh, they they make a big deal out of them. I, I kind of st- – you're supposed to look up 35 p- feet. I looked. I still couldn't figure out where they were. <laughs> so anyway, I should have brought my binoculars. But anyway, that was one of the hikes that I made at, uh, at Echo Park. But it was so relaxing and wonderful, and I was able to have a fire and, uh, you know, just an amazing, amazing, amazing place. And and I really didn't want to leave. The reason I didn't want to leave is because I talked to a woman. And you got to understand, everybody that showed up was driving a four-wheel drive vehicle of some kind or another. Now, I have four-wheel drive, but it's all in the back. So it's really not technically for this vehicle to have four-wheel drive. It would have to have a differential in front. You do see... Uh, seven three diesel Ford vans and uh, and school buses with the the so it's a it's basically a six wheel drive so you have a differential in front so if you have to you got an incredible amount of torque with the seven three diesel and on top of that now you've got a differential in front so you're you're you better than four wheel drive you're six wheel drive I don't have that I have just the rear differential. And I said, hey, I don't know if I can. I'm, I'm really worried about leaving and going back up that that series of switchbacks up in the, the front, up the 13-mile road. What should I do? Oh, you just go out Yampa Beach Road. because And it's 40 miles, um, but you don't have to go. You don't have to do any climbing. And I said, oh, great. The only thing you got to watch out for is um, the washes. So... The road down had washes, but they had put concrete bridges basically over the washes because it's a national park. She said, well, not all the washes have concrete on the Yampa Road, so you have to be careful of that. Well, you know, I, I mulled that over and mulled that over and thought, well, if I don't have to climb, then – and I forgot to ask her if it was sandy, but I said, you know, because it's supposed to be a beach road, Right. And this is the Yampa River, which runs all through this area. So it's the Green River, and another river is a confluence. That forms this structure at Echo Park. And you can hear the whitewater rafters coming down, yelling and screaming and trying to get uh, the, the walls to echo. So it's it's kind of a three-point river con- confluence. And then the Yampa River runs all the way up through the, uh, the eastern, the, the southeastern part of the park, basically. I decided, uh, well, I'll decide when I get ready to leave. So I got up the next morning, and uh, I was kind of glad to go and ready to take on this challenge. And I I said, okay, uh, I, when I get to the end of uh, uh, Echo Park Camp Road, I'll decide if I'm going to go right or left. And we'll talk about which way I went in the second half of this podcast. One business owner that's uh, really been helpful in supporting the Bob Davis podcast, Juliet from BU Enterprises. And I want to talk very quickly to the people who are uh, HR managers, or if you're a manager at a small company, big company, you want to do something for your team. So here's what BU does. They have a series of tools which are available to help people uh, stay focused, help people stay in their bodies, stay aware, learn to breathe, 
All these things are so important for health and for wellness and really for productivity in groups. So if you're a manager, if you're an HR person, if you are the guy that sets up these sort of uh, activities for employees, let me turn you on to BU Enterprises, B-E-Y-O-U, BU Enterprises at BUEnterprises.com because they have a whole series of things and, and, and mix and match uh, tools and programs to help employees exercise and, and do stuff right at their desk. And you can do it over Zoom as a group thing or you can do it in your office, whatever you want to do. Contact Juliet at BU Enterprises. Either click on the banner at the top of the page at the Bob Davis Podcast.com or visit BUEnterprises.com. Well, I get up to the fork in the road and I say, out of hell with it, I'm going left. In for a penny, in for a pound. What am I going to do? I can't, I really don't want to run the risk of climbing, even though I knew that the Echo Park Road was probably better. I was willing to take the risk to go down the uh, Yampa Beach Road or the Yampa River Road first, then it becomes Yampa, Yampa Beach Road. Now remember, this is 42 miles of backcountry dirt roads and i have been on backcountry dirt roads i i might you might recall or if you want to refer to a podcast i did about oregon i ended up in the national forest because on on this map on the Rand mcnally map on the Rand mcnally map it looked like just a quick hop skip and a jump over to gold beach and then up route one to portland so i was going to go that way and i ended up back in this woods for a day and another day trying to figure out how to get out and it was at least 40 miles of dirt road and the Oregon roads are just very hard packed clay which is kind of what this Yampa Beach road was initially and it was pretty bad and I was getting pissed because I was like she didn't tell me about this she said the only thing you got to watch out for is there's a wash and if you, it's it's water over the wash and you gotta pick your way through there well, I got to the wash, and uh, there was no water, so that was a relief. But by now, you know, I'm picking my way around rocks. And I'm driving along, and it's okay. Like, there's there's sections that's just pure gravel, and I'm that would then buoy up my spirits, and I'd say, oh, well, this is going to be... This is going to be easy. If, it, if it's like this, the rest of the way, we're fine. So I come to a Y in the road, and one says... 15S or something like that, dead end, private property, do not go any further. And the other one says Yampa Beach Road. And I look up there and it, you can't even tell it's a road. <laughs> I mean, you, I'm like, oh my, God. I can't go back and I can't go forward. I did the smart thing, which is what you're supposed to do. I turned the truck off. I went up there till the point where it didn't look like there was a road. And I thought, did I miss? Maybe I was supposed to go down another half, you know, uh, block or something or half a mile. And that's where Yampa Beach Road is. And I, I looked, so I walked up this hill. And I mean, it is like walking up rock. I mean, it's, a, it's like climbing a, a, rock, a rock face, give or take. There's a road there, but it's, it's full of boulders and things like that. And the whole way, I'm picking up things out of the middle of the road and throwing them because I don't want any of those rocks to strike my crankcase, which is, you know, getting pretty old and crotchety anyway. So I clear the, the road as best I can. I walk up and I see that there's gravel past this incline. And again, remember she said, oh, there's no climbing. You know, Jennifer from the with the Toyota Tundra 
uh, four wheel said, oh, you know, there's no climbing, you know, you're, you're fine. And I get up there and, uh, you know, it was hard enough for me to walk up the hill, let alone drive a 10,000 plus pound vehicle up there. So I got up there and I saw that it was a gravel road from there. And I thought, well, I suppose I can back down. Because again, my situation is I can't, I can't really go back and I can't really go forward. So I, I've got, I'm going to have to just try to go forward. So uh, I got back in, started the truck up, and this time I put it in first. Now, if you don't know anything about the 7.3 diesel, it has an enormous amount of torque compared to almost every other truck, especially today. Even today, it has, I want to say it has close to, if not a thousand foot-pounds of torque on the back wheels. So, and I've ne- I hardly ever use first. In fact, I've never used first. Once I used first gear. So I go down to first and I start working my way up this hill and it is hairy. And I'm like, I'm saying to myself, don't stop. Don't go fast. Don't panic. Just, and again, it's an 8% grade. So it's up and it's jouncing along and, and I'm just like, oh my God. And I made it up. And I was like, oh, my God, I made it up. So remember, this is at about mile 13. This, is, <laughs> this isn't even close. to. I looked at the thing, and I was like, am I halfway through it? No, you got about 26 miles, at least 20, 30 miles after. Yeah, that was like at the 30-mile mark right there. And so I headed on up, and it continued to be – nothing was that challenging, but there were moments of insanity and there were moments where I was I was either in second or I was in first more than once. And this truck just performed beautifully. And, and, and the main problem that I had is I, I'm going to put all-terrain tires on the front. I've had all-terrain tires on the front before. They're a little hard to manage, but I'm going to put all-terrain tires on it now. And the main concern I had was these are Coopers. They're about uh, two and a half years old. They got a lot of miles on them. One side back when I had all the my, my ball joint and suspension problems got pretty chewed up on the uh, right on the right end so that's on the right side and I was really worried I was going to pop the tires and at the same time I was worried because that has happened to me and at the same time I was worried that um, I was going to scrape the crankcase and and knock a hole in the crankcase so I'm like really concerned uh, and and uh, if you know me you know that I have pretty good hearing and my hearing uh, leads me to make conclusions about what's going on with the truck that are sometimes <laughs> mechanics laughing at me. I can't even hear what you're talking about. I can't even feel what you're talking about. So I'm very in tune with the, the, the truck, the engine, the sounds it makes, and everything else. And it was just phenomenal the way it performed going up. And I was able to, to not pop any tires, which was great front or back but having the i will say this had i had uh highway tires on the back i don't think i would have made it because uh those were easily popped there's just not enough rubber uh, with the all trains you got another inch of rubber between the, the the inside of the tire and you know uh whatever i wouldn't even attempt this uh with highway tires so I, I'm really watching to make sure that I don't. And this is 42 miles of 15 miles an hour. So this is a this is a really demanding experience. And 
I'm driving along, and I, I, I actually made it through almost every of the, almost all the challenges I made it through. And I knew I was coming to the end, and because uh, I saw the four mile marker, and I knew that we were coming to the end, and the, and, and the final part of the, of the dirt road connects with 40, which is where I needed to go because I was going to go west on 40. Perfect. And I uh, was uh, driving along, and of course, the road got really bad. And I'm like, oh, of course. Now, now that I'm almost out of it, the, it leaves me. And I said, it just won't let me go. It won't let me go without a challenge. I got through the real hard, heavy, bumpy part. And then I'm driving along, and I see this escarpment of red rock, beautiful red rock, beautiful, against the blue sky and the green of the desert. And now we get into the sand flats. This is a, 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 an area probably a quarter of a mile that is all sand. It's the road, but sand has blown across from these rocks. It's the same color as the rocks. And I'm like, damn it. So I, I was like, I'm going to put the hammer down as much as I dare. And I'm going to put it in second. And I'm not going to stop. And I you know, kind of careened through these sand flats and got out to the gravel on the other side. Now you had the choice of these really stony, sharp rocks or being in the sand. I chose the rocks and bounced uh, my way through there after the sand area. Finally got out to 40 and, you know, wow. Just couldn't believe. What an experience. A, a feeling of triumph, probably pure luck and nothing else. So the moral of the story is I finally get down to the um, – I left at like 8.30 a.m. It's now 11.30, almost noon, and I thought, well, I'm going to stop. So I went into the National Park Office, and there was uh, there was a, there were two guys there. There was a guy from Europe with a big RV, and he was trying to – you know. and the, the, the National – the park ranger guys were great because they went out and looked at the guy's vehicle and – there was a woman there, young woman, Jennifer is her name, and she, she had a um, minivan, and she wanted to go in and find out if she should take Echo Park Road. So obviously this provoked a lot of conversation about, uh, the, and this feeling of triumph of Yampa Beach Road and, and making it without, uh, without destroying my vehicle. I, you know, I, I, I go through periods of uh, rig uh, envy where you say, boy, I really would like to have a bigger rig. And, you know, I've cleared out a lot of stuff in this truck. So there's a lot more room in there for me now. Uh, but I still go through the I see people with these beautiful fifth wheels and I see people with these beautiful class A's. And, you know, I see really nice, beautiful, uh, even the the. Um, the van life vans, you know, the ProMasters and to a certain extent the Transits. And I won't include the Transits in this because I think the Transits have enough torque. But if you, even if you have a ProMaster, you know, uh, the clearance is really the issue on these back roads like the, the going down to Echo Park uh, and also out if you go out the Yampa Beach Road. And the potential exists both to pop tires if they're not off-road tires and and b uh to really do significant damage to your rv if you have a big rv you're not going to be able to go to a place like echo park because it's just too hairy and the clearance issues are there a trailer no they don't allow trailers at all like you would not be able to get a trailer down there any kind of trailer it's just too uh, too many switchbacks and too many bumps and bad road 
it's, uh, you know, and I thought, boy, if I get stuck and, you know, I'm going to feel really stupid and they're going to be like, well, you know, you should not have come down here. You should have walked it. You should have known that if it said da, 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 not to do that because we can't help you. But the joy is in being able to do it. And uh, I actually, the whole experience, I'm telling this experience in a podcast because both many people go to this thing. And I know because there's a map. They've got a relief, beautiful relief map set up of the park in the Dinosaur National Park uh, office. And they'll come and show you. Here's where the road goes. This is the terrain, blah, 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 blah. But people don't listen. I don't listen. You know, you think, well, I want to go there. You know, I, this is I'm I'm hell bent for leather. There's two other campgrounds that are probably more easily accessible. One of them is a, a pack in. You can't drive in there. The other one I think it's called Deer Park or something like that. Is it at, all the way at the other end? And I I think it might be in Utah or vice versa. It's on the south on the north southeastern side of this massive uh, geographically massive uh, national park. And the other thing about national parks is. Not all the roads are good, and they do. They don't. If you've read De- Desert Solitaire, thank you, Andy McVeigh, for making me read that. Uh, then you know that uh, you know some of the park rangers are not too thrilled with making facilities so that just anybody can come in, because people do things that they shouldn't do. Uh, passenger cars. Now I know why they say passenger cars should not go down. And the park ranger said when he was trying to help these people, it's really a clearance issue. It's not, a, you know, you don't really need four-wheel drive, but you have to have the clearance or you're going to get hung up and you're going to rip. If you don't like your car, this is the best way to destroy it. That's what he said. Don't, uh, and and this is where I get into this question of these vans, like ProMasters, and, and I'd love to hear what people think, but transits have a little bit more torque if, if you have the dually. But if you have a ProMaster or something like that with a four-cylinder engine in it and you've got all this van life stuff in there and everything else, you would be hard-pressed on uh, some of these switchbacks and, and roads in some of these national parks that you would think, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm rough and tough and I'm going to go back in there, and you wouldn't be able to make it. And if I was to look for another vehicle, I would actually go for either lifting this and putting in the differential, which is ridiculous expense, so that I had all-wheel drive, or uh, getting a platform that was all, even more robust than this one with an even, you know, I would want the Cummins, you know, bigger Cummins. Now I understand the overlanders and they're, you know, the people that have the Land Rovers and stuff and go off-road. And I understand why those vehicles look the way they do. Sometimes you think, well, that seems ridiculous. But for what they do, yeah, a Land Rover or a lifted Toyota Tundra or, you know, a big Cummins 4500 Ram or something like that, they're not going to have any problem uh, dealing with that kind of a situation. A Ford 550, a, you know, the, the type of equipment that the Forest uh, Service uses for, for firefighting, etc., they're not going to have that kind of problem. But you would if you had just a straight-up RV, like a Class C one of these big class C's? No, you wouldn't even be able to get down the hill. And if you started down the hill and got stuck, then what are you going to do? You know, you've got a 14,000-pound vehicle that's stuck, and you can't, you're 50, 60 miles away from uh, civilization, which means it's going to cost a lot of money because they're going to have to bring the heavy uh, tow vehicle. So I had a great time in Dinosaur National Park. I'm not a parks guy. It's not on my list. But I'm definitely putting all-terrain tires on this truck.
Once again, I want to thank Ryan Plumbing and Heating of St. Paul for home or business because when it comes to keeping all of your plumbing, heating, and air conditioning systems operating, you got to have people that know what they're doing. It's so obvious that some of these people don't know what they're encountering. So Ryan has been in business at the same location on University Avenue for 70 years. There's very little in the plumbing, heating, and air conditioning business if anything, that they have not encountered, and they're always up on the new stuff. Lately, Greg Ryan's been telling me that they, they're they recommending that clients, especially businesses, replace things like toilets and other systems that are were designed back in the early 1900s and might be uh, really costing you a lot of money because water is getting more and more expensive, even in places like Minneapolis and St. Paul. So if you want great service if you want uh, reliable service and if you want people who have uh, a great deal of expertise with plumbing or heating or air conditioning problems call ryan plumbing and heating in st paul 651-224-4771 in minneapolis 612-927-6488 four generations in st paul as i said quality replacement and repair of all plumbing heating and air conditioning systems residential and business ryan plumbing for more info Call them or click on their banner at the top of the page at thebobdavispodcast.com. The last podcast I did was like 20 minutes, and uh, one of the people that listens to me <laughs> said, oh, it was my friend in Snowmass, uh, Sue, said, uh, hey, man, that's not working very hard. You, your last podcast, which was the one about the Heaven's Highway, which I didn't feel needed any embellishment. You know, I just, I thought, I loved that podcast because it was super clean and simple. And Sue was like, that was not work. You didn't work hard enough on that one because it was only, it was 20 minutes, maybe. And so, Sue, this one's for you. Thanks for listening to Podcast 1062, My Experience at Dinosaur National Park, the Bob Davis Podcasts. Yeah.